to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, good morning, One Church family. Happy Sunday to you all. I hope that you're having a wonderful day wherever you're at today. I know most of us are gathered with our house churches. I hope that you're having a wonderful time of fellowship and food and just enjoying being together in the presence of God. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today, for tuning in, for uh, listening in. And uh, I hope uh, more than just hearing a message, watching a message, I hope God is stirring your heart today. Uh, Well, if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it and turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. In just a minute, I'm going to get to verse 15. Uh, So you can turn there or open your app, however you like to to do it. But while you're turning there, uh, let me just mention a couple of things. Uh, First of all, thank you so much to everybody that came out last Sunday for our Blessing Sunday uh, on site at the open house. And uh, what a beautiful day. What a wonderful time of being together. It was so good to see so many people coming out and uh, just stirring our hearts for the good things that God has in store for us in 2023. And I don't know about you, but I am just so excited for what God has ahead of us. And, uh, uh, you know, every year is a good year, but this is going to be a great year. And, uh, of course, this is going to be a year that um, not only do we celebrate 10 years as a church, doesn't hardly seem possible, but also we're going to step into a new season, a new beginning as we move into a building of our own at the open house. And so we are so excited, filled with faith, uh, not just for the building, but what God's going to do, what God's going to do in that place and from that place. And uh, so thank you for coming out uh, last Sunday. And it was such a hit that we actually have decided that we're going to do that again next month. Uh, You know, uh, through the fall, we had a monthly gathering, one night gathering at the Orlando Ballet Center. Uh, But now while the weather is beautiful, we thought, man, let's get on site at the open house. Let's let's get together. It's beautiful. beautiful, uh, pretty predictably beautiful at least. And so we're going to get together on the second Sunday of February. We're just calling it pop-up church. You know, there's pop-up restaurants, pop-up boutiques, shops, all kinds of things. So we're going to have pop-up church uh, at the open house. And uh, even while construction is continuing, in fact, uh, if you join us on that day, I can guarantee you there's going to be a huge amount of progress Uh, that has happened since the last time that you were out there. Every day, work is progressing. Every day, things are happening. And so I hope you'll plan to join us uh, on that day, February 12th. Uh, In the meantime, uh, we have something else exciting coming up, and that is a church family picnic. Uh, We love getting together. We love eating together. Uh, It may be my spiritual gift, eating. Uh, So we love eating together. And, uh, you know, when you read the Bible, Jesus loved eating. Uh, He loved eating with his disciples. And, you know, the church is uh, built around a meal. And so we just love getting together, eating together. And so that's what we're going to do on Sunday, January 29th. We're going to be meeting at the Kingswood Clubhouse. And from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., getting together potluck picnic style, okay? And so some of you may want to bring your tennis rackets or your pickleball 
equipment. Some of you may want to bring a basketball or a frisbee. It's probably too cold to swim in the pool, uh, but it's just going to be a beautiful, beautiful day. And so I really want to invite you and encourage you to join us on Sunday, January 29th for our church family picnic. And of, of course, in the meantime, as I shared with you last Sunday, we're meeting every Wednesday morning at 6.30 for prayer. And we just had an incredible time uh, this past Wednesday morning. Great number of people that turned out. I thought, man, I, I was shocked at so many people coming. Uh, I know it doesn't work for everybody. Some of you are getting the kids out the door to school or maybe heading to work yourself. Uh, but if you're at all able and available to come and join us, it really is important. And we just want to gather together. Even while the physical work is happening in that building, we want to do the spiritual work of filling that place with prayer. And so I hope you'll join us this coming Wednesday morning, 6.30. It's not comfortable. Uh, it's not convenient, but it is powerful. And so I hope you'll plan to join us. All right. Well, if you have your Bible, Matthew 18, and I want to pick up on a series that I had actually been in in the fall and uh, just pick that back up for the month of January. And that is the series that we're calling Teach Us to Pray. And I started this series by sharing with you that that was actually the one request that Jesus' disciples asked of him. Uh, they, they didn't ask him to teach them how to do miracles. They didn't say, Lord, teach us uh, the fish and the loaves thing, although that's pretty cool. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, I'm sorry, they did say, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't say, teach us to preach. They didn't say, Lord, teach us leadership tips. All of those things are good, but they the one thing that Jesus' disciples asked of Jesus was, Lord, teach us to pray, because they recognized that everything in Jesus' life, the power that was manifest through Jesus' life, flowed from his prayer life. And so if we want to live the Jesus life, if we want to see the power of God manifest in our lives, it starts with our prayer life. And so we've talked about a number of types of prayer. Uh, we talked about the prayer of faith. We talked about praying in the Spirit. And I want to continue today with another type of prayer. The Apostle Paul says that we should pray with all kinds of prayer. So I want to speak to you today about another type of prayer, and that is the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. And Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, here's what Jesus said. This, these are important words. These are the words of Jesus, the greatest words ever spoken. And it says this in verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go to him and tell him his fault between uh, tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him to be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven." For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And I don't know about you, but I love this passage of Scripture. What a beautiful 
uh, passage of Scripture, and actually a very important passage of Scripture. Uh, every passage of Scripture is important, but this is a especially important passage because it's the words of Jesus, but also it's one of the only places in the Gospels where Jesus speaks specifically about the church. Um, he talks a lot about the kingdom of God. He talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, but this is one of the only places where Jesus speaks specifically, one of two places that Jesus speaks specifically about the church. And so as the church, it's important that we understand when Jesus talks about the church, what does he say? And one of the things that I think he uh, talks about here in this passage is he talks about the problems of church. He says, you know, if your brother sins against you, go to him and you need to work it out together. And, and the fact is that uh, in church, there's going to be problems <laughs> because there's people. And wherever there's people, there are problems. And the church is not unique. Uh, if you've not seen the problems, just hang around long enough and you're going to see some problems. There's going to be some people that will sin against you. And uh, at the same time, you're going to sin against some people. Now, let me say this. That's not unique to the church. That is everywhere. That happens in business. That happens in families. Sometimes people say, I don't go to the, I don't want to be a part of the church. I love God, but I don't love the church because the church is filled with hypocrites. Or the, you know, I got hurt in the church. Well, people get hurt everywhere. You know, people get hurt on the job site. People get hurt and, you know, I'm thinking physically, but also emotionally. People get hurt in business. Uh, it's part of life. And I love that Jesus doesn't ignore this human element of the church. He, he talks about the problems of church, but he also talks about the, uh, the beauty of, that, uh, of church, and that is in the presence of God. He, he says not only are there problems in the church, but he also says the beauty of the church is this, that where two or three are gathered, I'm in the midst. And that's the beauty of the church. More than lights, more than a beautiful building, the thing that makes the church so beautiful is the presence of God. And Jesus gives this incredible um, promise that where two or three are gathered, he is in the midst. He doesn't say that about anything else. He says it only about the church. And so when Jesus talks about the church, he acknowledges the problems, but he also talks about the, the presence of God, that he is in the church. But I want to draw your attention to another aspect that Jesus talks about, and that is the power of the church. And I want to focus on verses 18 and 19. Here's what Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so not only is there problems in the presence, but there's also the, the power, the power of the church. And Jesus says this, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. That's a lot of power. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I know many of us hear those words binding and loosing, and we think that's just Christianese. You know, we put that in the category with hallelujah, praise the Lord, um, you know, washed in the blood, things that we just think, well, that's Christianese. We don't really know what it means. But but for Jesus to say these words, he's actually giving a very important understanding about the church. And that is this, that the church is God's uh, agent on the earth to advance his kingdom. 
It is, I would say it this way, it is the legislative responsibility of the church. That word bind means to restrain. The idea is kind of like perhaps on a sailboat, they tie down certain ropes. They bind certain things in place. And so part of the responsibility of the church is to bind or to restrain certain things uh, on the earth. And, you know, there are things on the earth that need to be restrained. Evil needs to be restrained. Injustice needs to be restrained. Immorality needs to be restrained. Abuse needs to be restrained. Sin and sickness and depravity. All of these things that are ultimately uh, breaking down the, the purpose of God upon the earth. These things need to be restrained. There's some things that need to be restrained. And then at the same time, there's some things that need to be Uh, loosed or released. And, you know, joy needs to be released. Love needs to be released. Peace needs to be released. Blessing, salvation, healing. So there's some things Jesus says that you need to bind, and there's some things that you need to loose. And I want you to notice who it is that has the authority to bind or loose. Who does the binding or loosing? You, or we do as the church. In other words, it's not God that binds or looses on the earth. It's us. He's given us the authority. We as the church are the delegated authority of God upon the earth. And some people say, why doesn't God do anything about injustice? Why doesn't God do anything about suffering? Why doesn't God do anything about these problems? Well, the question oftentimes is, uh, why don't we do anything about it? Because we've been given the authority. We, as Jesus says in another place about the church, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. You have the authority to bind things or to loose things upon the earth, to change the world. And that is the responsibility of the church. You know, the purpose of the church. And when we get together, it's not just to sing nice songs, although that's a beautiful expression of worship. It's not just to you know, teach scripture, although that's an important aspect of discipleship. It's not just to receive communion, although that's an essential part of the church. But part of the purpose of the church is to uh, bind and loose things upon the earth, to change the world around us in prayer, and specifically a certain type of prayer. And that's what I'm talking to you about today. How do we bind and loose things upon the earth? Jesus tells us, he goes on to say this, that if two of you agree on earth, and so the way that the church binds and looses things, binds up evil and releases the blessing of God upon the earth, the way that we do that, Jesus says, is in our agreement. If two of you agree on earth, In other words, it's not just a person, but it's in the togetherness of the church. It's in the commonality of the church. It's in the agreement of the church. Our power is in our agreement. You know, the world tells us that our our power is in our autonomy. If we are just, uh, you know, uh, a self-made person, an autonomous person, I don't depend on anybody else. I'm a self-made person man, a self-made woman. That's what the world promotes, that our power is in our autonomy. Oftentimes in the church, we think our power is in our ability. 
if we can just have great music, if we could just have great teaching, skilled communication, if we could just have a great building or great programs, nothing wrong with all of those things, but we can think that if we could just have a you know better ability, then God would really move upon the earth. But here Jesus says it's not our autonomy, it's not our even our ability that re- releases his power on the earth. It is our agreement. It is our, our coming together that releases the power of God on the earth. That is the prayer of agreement. And I think it's helpful to understand that the word that Jesus uses for agreement in the original language is the word symphonio. Symphonio. That's the root word, of course, from which we get symphony. It's also the, the same word that synergy or symbiotic comes from. The idea is that there's, there's different parts, distinct sounds, just like a symphony, you know, has different sounds, has, um, you know, different uh, instruments that all make their own noise and they all have something unique that they're bringing. But the beauty is not in their uniqueness. Their beauty is when they come together. Uh, I don't know if you have ever heard the symphony Uh, To be honest, I don't think I've been to a symphony. I was listening to the symphony yesterday as as I was meditating on this verse just on YouTube. Uh, But I was in the band in school, and I was a band nerd. And if you were in band, you know that there there would be a, a time that the band, you know, all the members would just be warming up and rehearsing, and everybody's playing their own thing. And it's not a symphony. It's a cacophony. It's just noise. Everything is making a noise. And it's not beautiful. It's just kind of like nails on the chalkboard. But suddenly when everybody begins to play together, there is a sound that is released. There is an atmosphere that is released. And that's what Jesus is saying about our prayer, that it's, it's not just our ability, but it's our agreement that releases the power of God on the earth. The church should be not a cacophony of noise. The, the reality is, if you listen to much of the church today, it's not filled with the symphony of heaven. It's more like a cacophony. Everybody has their agenda, their preference, their opinion. And rather than working together, coming into the place of agreement, it just sounds like noise. But what Jesus is saying is that when you come into agreement, it's like all of the parts of a symphony, all of the various instruments coming together, and it releases this beautiful harmonic sound. The harmony of heaven is released upon the earth. And and just as people want to hear the symphony, I believe that when the church of Jesus comes together, when we come into agreement, the world will be drawn in. Again and again throughout the scripture, we see this emphasis on our togetherness. Ultimately, it's a picture of the the nature of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that when God made man, he said, let us make man in our image. It's the language of agreement. It's the language of togetherness. You know, the, the language of Satan, the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, he doesn't say let us as God does Uh, Lucifer says this in the book of Isaiah, I will rise up, I will ascend, I will be like the Most High. You know, when we speak the language of self-centeredness, 
when we speak the language of independence, when we speak the language of, you know, just my preference, my opinion, my agenda. You know, we all have opinions. And somebody once said, uh, opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got a couple and they stink. I know it's a preacher joke, but it's true. And, and this, that's true uh, of the church. We all have our own uniqueness, but it's in our togetherness that the power of God is released. You know, the Bible speaks of this in the book of Acts chapter 2. Oftentimes we love the book of Acts in chapter 2. It's the, it's the birthday of the church, the grand opening of the church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. And oftentimes we talk about the powerful signs and wonders, the, the um, you know, miraculous manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But all of that precedes verse 1 of Acts chapter 2 that says they were all together in one place, in one accord. In other words, they weren't just in one place. It wasn't just about their proximity, but they were also in one accord. It wasn't just a, a proximity. There was a quality of relationship. that They were joined together, moving together. You know, it's what we often call a mind meld. You know, maybe you've got somebody like that, a good friend that you spend enough time around, or maybe a couple that's been together for a long time, and over a period of time, they start to finish each other's sandwiches, sentences, right? Uh, they, they just come together. They begin to be more like one another. They have this mind melt. And, and that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about agreement. The Apostle Paul emphasizes this same value in, in the book of Philippians. Again and again throughout the book of Philippians, Paul says things like this. Philippians 2, 2, he says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. That's not what we value in the world. We value independence, autonomy. I'm an independent person. I, I have unique thoughts. But what Paul is saying is that our authority as the church is not in our uniqueness, but it's in our agreement. It's in our like-mindedness. He goes on to say, having the same mind, being of one accord, of one mind. Verse uh, 20 of chapter 2, he says, I have no one like-minded. He's saying, I, I need people that, that are in agreement, moving together, because that's where the power of God is released. He says in verse 316, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Uh, verse uh, 2 of chapter 4, he says this. He speaks to these women, Judea and Syntyche. He says, I implore you to be of the same mind. I encourage you sometime, go through the book of Philippians and just highlight every place that he says, like-minded, be of the same mind, have the same mind towards one another. Uh, he, he's saying it again and again and again because what he's talking about is the power of agreement, the power of the church to bind and to loose on the earth. The authority that we've been given is found in our agreement. And so I want to give you today three areas that I believe we can have agreement. Agreement's not uniformity. Agreement doesn't mean that we're going to all think the same way about everything. It doesn't mean that that we can't have our own uniqueness, our own flavor, our own sound. Just like in a symphony, there's diversity, but they're working together. And so I want to share with you three areas out of this passage that I believe are areas 
that we need to be in agreement if we're going to release the harmony of heaven, if we're going to release that symphonic sound into the earth, if we're going to step into the authority that God has given to us as the church to bind and to loose, to change the world that we live in. The first thing that I want you to see is that if we want to be in agreement, we have agreement in Christ. The first area that we have agreement in is that we are to find our agreement in Christ above everything else, above our preferences, above, you know, perhaps theological emphasis. The ultimate agreement of the church is found in Christ. That's what Jesus talks about in verse 20 of the passage we read. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, in my name, there I am in the midst. He's speaking about the agreement, the togetherness, the quality of relationship that we have as the church is to be found in Christ. You know, the the word Christian is only used a couple of times throughout the Bible, but the word or the phrase in Christ is mentioned again and again and again, because that's the ultimate identity. That's the ultimate Uh, place of connectedness that we have, that we may come from different backgrounds. We may come from, uh, you know, different church traditions, but there is a place of togetherness. There is a place of agreement that supersedes your personality, that supersedes my personality, that supersedes my preference of worship style. There's something greater, and that is the fact that every single person who is a, a part of the family of God is in Christ. You see, just like a, um, a symphony has to be in one accord, in the same key, the same is true of the church of Jesus Christ, that our ultimate agreement is not found in anything external. It's found in an internal commitment, an internal um, unity with Jesus. Um, you know, in the natural, if a... Um, conductor wanted to get a whole symphony in harmony, uh, you can't tune each instrument to itself or to one another. They have something that's called a tuning fork. And a tuning fork is a standard. It is, um, you know, the sound by which all of the instruments come into harmony, come into unity together. And that is true in the church, that there is a Uh, a standard, that there is a a place beyond ourselves that we are called to join together in agreement, and that is in Christ. You see, that's why regardless of our background, regardless of our tradition, uh, regardless of denominational identity, if we put our our faith in Jesus, there's a resonance that comes in our togetherness. Regardless of what church you're a part of, regardless of what tradition you're a part of, regardless of what your unique expression of worship may look like, there is a resonance that comes among followers of Jesus in the name of Jesus. It's just like the symphony. They all have their own thing. Every instrument has a different sound. And everybody can be playing their own thing. But when the conductor steps up, suddenly they come into harmony. They come into unity. It goes from noise into music. And that's what Jesus does in the life of the church. 
You see, we all have our different preferences. You may have a different style that you like. You may have a different uh, philosophy on, um, you know, diet or eating or a preference on parenting. But ultimately, all of us find our unity in Christ. That's where the power is released. The power of the church is released in the name of Jesus. And so it's so important that we emphasize the person of Jesus more than being Assemblies of God or Baptist or Methodist, uh, more than a church brand, one church or any other, you know, expression of the church. We are His church. We are Jesus people. And, And so as we emphasize the person of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus is released. There's so much value in the name of Jesus. You know, I thought about this recently, the power of a name. Uh, My wife sometimes sends me on the honeydew shopping uh, trips, and she sent me recently to Target to pick up something that she had purchased online. And she said, I want you to go to the desk and tell them you're there for a broom. I think that's what she had bought, a broom. And I went to the desk and I said, hey, I'm Justin, I'm here for the broom. They said, "Uh, we don't have a broom for you. I said, well, my wife sent me here. She purchased a broom and um, she sent me here to pick it up. They said, I'm sorry, we don't have a broom for you. And I said, well, my wife, Jennifer, said that she had ordered a broom and they said, What's her name? I said, it's Jennifer Johnson. And they said, oh, well, why didn't you say so? Here's your broom. You see, uh, it was through her name (laughs) that the purchase had been made. And regardless of my name and regardless of what I claimed, there was no purchase that had been made in my name. And the same is true of the power of the church. The power of the church is only through what has been purchased through the blood of Jesus And it's through the name of Jesus that the purchase and what has been purchased, the the blessing of God, the goodness of God, everything that God has planned for us in the name of Jesus, that purchase is released. And so our agreement as a church is to be found first and foremost in Christ, in the person of Jesus. Second thing I want you to see is not only is our agreement in Christ, but our agreement is also in his word. You see, in this passage twice, Jesus says in verse 18, he starts off by saying, assuredly, I say to you. In verse 19, he says, again, I say to you. The emphasis there is on, I say to you, the word of Jesus, the word of God. And as followers of Jesus, Our agreement is not only found in the person of Jesus, but our agreement is also found in the Word of God, especially the Word of Jesus. You see, we all have our own preferences. We all have our own uh, ideas. We all have our own priorities. Maybe uh, you're a person that values um, justice. That's an important thing. Maybe you're a person that values worship. Maybe you're a person that values prayer. Maybe you like certain things just in the natural. But for all of us, regardless of our own uniqueness and our own preferences, our unity is not found in our own ideas. Our unity is found in the Word of God. And it's as we come together and we submit ourselves to the Word of God that the power of God is released. 
And, you know, so many times we can fall into the trap of our own preference, our own ideas. You know, in, in over the last few years, especially the whole political division has just been so rampant, even within the church. And there can be differing perspectives. Well, I'm of this persuasion and I'm of that persuasion. And regardless of what our preference is in the natural, every single one of us is called to come under the word of God, to submit our lives to the word of God. You know, the question or the statement should often be said, what does the Bible say uh, about our lives? What does the Bible say about our identity? What does the Bible say about morality? What does the Bible say about ethics? That's the place of our agreement. That's the place where we come together, just like a symphony not only has a shared conductor, but they have a a shared sheet of music. They're all on the same page. And if we want to be on the same page, if we want to come into agreement as the church, we've got to come into agreement around the Word of God. I have opinions. I have perspectives. Everybody has opinions and perspectives, but our agreement comes in the Word of God. We need to commit to being people that are shaped by the Word of God not just by our tradition. You know, as followers of Jesus, maybe you come from a Baptist tradition, maybe a Pentecostal tradition, maybe a Lutheran tradition or a Catholic tradition. But we shouldn't just say, this is what my tradition says. We should say, this is what the Bible says. Uh, We shouldn't just say, this is what I like. But what does the Bible say? Our agreement is found not only in the person of Christ, but our agreement is found in His Word, in the Word of God, And the third thing I want you to see is that our agreement is found in the local church. In the local church. Jesus says it this way, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I love that Jesus not only speaks to this great cosmic reality that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. He doesn't just recognize this great, big, expression of the church, he also recognizes this very grassroots, practical, on-the-ground reality. Two or three are gathered. In other words, there's a group of people, at least two or three, and they're getting together. So in other words, there's a time and a place and a group of people that gets together. And that's what the Bible calls the local church. Uh, Jesus, uh, in the book of Revelation, speaks specifically to seven local churches We're all a part of the great global church, but the part that we play is worked out in a local church, in a local body of believers. And there is diversity in the body of Christ. There's different parts within the body of Christ, just like there is in a symphony. There's different parts. There's different sections. There's a woodwind section. There's a percussion section. There's a string section. There's a brass section. And each section has its own part to play. Sometimes the conductor will quiet a certain group and and, and, um, direct another group. And and he's drawing out that diversity. The same is true in the body of Christ. Every one of us is placed in a, a part, in a section, in a local church. And that's the truth for us. You know, as One Church Park District, we are a a local church, a local body of believers. We're connected to a broader family in our One Church family, and even beyond that in the Assemblies of God, and beyond that in the great global church. But our, our authority is released 
at the local level. Two or three gathered together. That's the smallest unit of authority in the body of Christ. It's kind of like in politics. Someone once said, all politics are local. Well, the same is true in the kingdom of God. Ultimately, all authority is local. A group of people that gets together to pray. A group of people that gathers together to bind and to loose. You know, it may not look like much in our perspective. It may look like just a small group of people, even as we got together last Wednesday morning, just a handful of people. But the Bible says this, that there is supernatural power released where two or three are gathered in his name. He is in the midst. And so not only is our unity and our agreement found in the person of Jesus, and not only is our agreement in submission to the word of God, but it's also practically worked out in a local group of people, a local congregation, a local church. Our little part in the beautiful symphony of God to release the harmony of heaven into earth. And so my prayer is for us that we would be a church that recognizes and releases the power of God in agreement, in the prayer of agreement, that we would recognize the potential of coming together to pray. You know, over the last probably few decades, the truth is prayer meetings have kind of gone out of vogue. (laughs) We do a lot of Christian conferences. We do a lot of Christian concerts. But do we value gathering together to pray? Because Jesus says that's where the authority is. Nothing wrong with getting together to preach. Nothing wrong with getting together to worship and to sing. Those things are valuable. But Jesus says it's in prayer. Two or three gathered together. That's where the power is released. That's where the authority is released to change the world. And so I want to ask you today, Can you imagine what would happen in our world if the church expressed in every local body of believers came into the place of agreement? What would happen on the earth if we came into that symphonious place of agreement, regardless of our backgrounds and preferences and political persuasions and ethnic identities? What would happen if we came together and we said, in the name of Jesus and under the authority of his word and in this local body of believers, we are going to bind every form of evil upon the earth and we're going to release the power and the blessing of God. I believe it would change the world because Jesus says that will change the world. And so I, I want to encourage you, let's be people that recognize and release the power and the prayer of agreement. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for this beautiful community of people. Lord, I thank you that I get to serve this wonderful body of people that's being joined together, different backgrounds, different perspectives, different persuasions. But Lord, thank you for the wonderful reality that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are in the midst. And so, Lord, I pray that we as a church would recognize this power of agreement, that we would be people that pray the prayer of agreement. And Lord, through our agreement, the kingdom of God would come upon the earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, thank you so much 
for joining me today. I want to encourage you, even while you're together today, maybe you want to take some time to talk about this. Uh, maybe you can take some time just to pray together. If there's any needs that you have, I encourage you, come into that place of agreement. I believe God will move in a great way. Also, don't forget this coming Wednesday, we're going to be at the open house at 630 for a time of prayer. I hope you'll join us. Can't wait to see you then. God bless you.